0: Welcome back to another episode of Investing Your Future. I'm your host, Kenny, CEO of Corunda Group Corporation. Thank you guys for joining me for another episode. Today, I have a special guest I'm so glad to have on the phone and the mic. Um, He he is doing big things in the mobile home park. He's doing great things in business and such an early stage. So I want to bring on my special guest, co-founder of our group. His name is Ryan Naris. He's also host of Mobile Home Park in Real Life podcast, great podcast I've listened to multiple times, learned so much from. You guys should definitely take a listen to that also. Ryan has a degree in psychology statistics from Wake Forest University. Went back to get his MBA specializing in business analytics, marketing, and operations. After After college, Ryan worked in securities with Wells Fargo Leadership Group. A year later, found his courage to start his own business with his partner, and started purchasing mobile home parks and turning them around for profits for himself and his investors. And just in three years, his business has accumulated over 500 units. He has a wealth of knowledge, not only in mobile home park business, but also just in the brain and in terms of psychology. We can learn so much from this special guest. So, Ryan, thank you for joining me. And you want to introduce yourself? I do. First off, I am flattered. Thank you for all the kind words, man. I'm just trying to keep up with you. And and I'm trying to convince you to come back down south, man. Oh, nice and nice warm down here. Oh, trust me, I, it, it's freezing over here, and I just scrapped my car with the snow, and it's just terrible, man. I think so. I think you're gonna you're gonna have me down there soon enough. Soon enough, trust me. So, Ryan. Yeah, that polar vortex is, is for real, man. Oh, definitely, definitely. You are glad you you're down there, but. I really, I really want to dig in because we have so much to cover, and I, want to, I really want to get into as much as I can because I'm going to learn so much from you also, and I hope my audience learns so much from you also. Um, so, Ryan, let's just start from the beginning. Why psychology, first of all? So this is kind of a, a
1: little silly story, but <clears throat> when I was really young, you know, th- we all have pressures to be popular growing up, and for me, I kind of realized I was the annoying kid, the ADHD, high energy, just silly kid. And we all want to be popular, right? And so what I kind of devised at a really young age was, well, why don't I observe the quote-unquote popular people, and then just take their best qualities and merge that into myself, right? So as a young child, I basically put up a facade of an amalgamation of other people's behaviors until I developed confidence to become myself and be comfortable in my own skin. So through that process, I guess I didn't realize that was psychology. Mm. And when I reached college, I really wanted to be an engineer
0: because I love math. Mm -hmm. And then I realized in physics class that I loved physics but I absolutely hated calculus. Just hated calculus. Yes. And kind of in college, I, I went through that process. I think we
1: we all do to a certain degree just self-discovery. And I just discovered I really love people. And not only do other people kind of do something similar to me, which is kind of observe people and try to understand their behavior, but also there is an entire science behind it. And I took an intro to
0: psych class and, just fell in love with it from there hmm wow that's that's interesting because psychology is a tough major I, I you know I I can't imagine just picking that as a major and going you know to high level school like you wake for us for it but that's interesting so you just hated the 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 math on the other side so you went on the brain side and from from let's say from psychology do you say it's it's helped your business having that psychology background because that's that's not a typical you know into into a business of like let's say real estate would you say psychology has helped you in terms of your network in terms of how to get into the round of business at all absolutely so what i figure i made a pretty
2: big pivot in college undergrad when i went from going i want to be an engineer mm-hmm. to i want to
1: be a salesman and so i figured psychology and sales was a pretty good fit now i still love math i just calculus and I just don't get along so I was as you alluded to earlier a statistics minor because I still absolutely love math but basically what I figured in college is hey I love persuasion and I love selling and I love talking and I love teaching and I love people
2: but Mm -hmm. I also like math too and so I
1: figured sales was a good career and I got into sales after I graduated undergrad and and in sales I realized yeah I love sales but so I sold cars four years and what i realized while i was selling cars is you sell a car you
0: make a commission it's done it's gone yes whereas in real estate you you convince someone
1: to sell their property to you and then it cash flows and so to me i kind of realized that in my mid-20s and i realized hey i gotta do it i gotta find a way to If I'm good at building relationships, then I should be able to do more than just make a commission or a couple commissions if I sell them a couple cars. So to answer your question a little more directly, psychology is huge. Excuse me. Psychology is huge for me because, number one, it helps me with persuasion when I go to buy a property. It helps me when I go to sell a mobile home. So we got our dealer's license in South Carolina. So we can sell mobile homes in South Carolina. So it helps me there. It also helps me with debt collection, which is a big portion of, of my business. It helps me with my employees. Wow. Uh, for anybody out there who's ever had a bad boss, I have learned many a thing from bad bosses that I desperately try. Like I'll give you a good for example. One of our employees was sick yesterday and I went on I, I got on the phone with her and I, I told her Anything you need, you let me know. If you need to take tomorrow off too, you let me know. I, I am thinking about your health and your happiness. And at the same time, you also have to be firm with them when they make a mistake. And you have to allow them to save face when they make a mistake so they can still learn something. But one thing I learned at the car dealership, by the way, is when you make a mistake at the car dealership, you get yelled at. Mm-hmm. And I realized that never works. I, I, I saw this. Time and time and time again, it was so easy to just lie to your sales manager when you make a mistake because you don't want to get yelled at. And I think the right answer there is to encourage your employees to come to the realization that they made a mistake on their own and that they need to improve that on their own rather than yelling at them, right? Like, hey, you gave gave the customer the invoice price. That was a mistake. (laughs) That was a big mistake that might cost you this deal, right? Telling them that in the moment will will encourage them to lie to you instead of giving you the vital information of hey boss I made a mistake I gave them the invoice price now how do we rectify the situation and and not make it harder to sell this car right now because now I'm trying to save face and I'm and avoid getting yelled at right so what I try to do in my business to incorporate psychology is to try to be firm when a mistake happens and and help them to realize how to rectify it in the future but at the same time encourage honesty so if a mistake happens I can gather all relevant information and we can solve that together Mm. so it's, it's everywhere psychology is everywhere I'm a Buffett and Bunger fan myself and they they preach psychology 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 and I find they're absolutely right you need incentives to align you need to uh, avoid lying, you need to trust but verify. And then obviously the sexy things
3: like negotiation and persuasion in terms of buying and selling stuff yes. is, is also a huge portion of it. So
0: everywhere. Psychology is everywhere. I I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, that, that's that's so great right there, Ryan. You have that background that just helps you deal with people on such a higher level because you've studied the brain and you've studied psychology. And that's actually interesting because... I'm starting to read some books on psychology, too, because you realize the marketing, you realize that it comes down to, you know, pleasing another person's, you know, mentality. So it's it's just interesting. It's very interesting that I, I, I've i never put the two two together, but it just works almost, you know, congruently because obviously you have to deal with people on a daily basis. So you should learn how the brain works. You should learn about, you know, motives and incentives. That's why I think a lot of my listeners can learn from is. You know, you have to come on the nice side. You have to come on the positive side, not the negative side, like you said, of yelling and, you know, punishment. You have to come on the side of, you know, there's a reward at the end of it. It's true. Stephen
1: Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, has a great quote in that book where he says, in so many words, borrowing strength builds weakness. And obviously it's a much more complicated and eloquent quote than that. But in so many words, what he means there, because you can unravel this a million ways, is that essentially when you use force by strength or by yelling and screaming or using authority, like, well, I'm your boss, you have to do what I say, every time you do that, you basically hamper trust. And it's superior to help some, to be firm with someone, right? Because you don't want to get walked all over. But at the same time, you want that respect to drive your power and your efficacy as a manager and a leader, rather than you know, toward force, right? Rather than yelling and screaming or intimidating.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, they, they always say it's, a, it's an old saying too. So I'm thinking like an African proverb, proverb where you get, you know, you get more with honey than you know the lemon. So that, yeah. I, that's that's great. That's great, Ryan. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, from from the transition from, let's say, you know, you finish college and you start working, started making, selling some cars, started making some money. When did you start dabbling in real estate? Or like, how did how did you get into real estate? Like, how did you learn about it? Can you tell me a little bit story about that? Yeah, I'd love to. So, at a young age, I'd say I think it was about 23,
1: 24 years old. So, by first full year at the car dealership. I did something kind of interesting. I was terrified. First of all, I was terrified. Terrified that I wasn't, because it was commission only, and I never sold. You hear all these rumors about scummy car salesmen and blah, 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 blah. And I was terrified that I was going to fall on my face. So I read everything I could. I created all sorts of my own training programs. And then what I did was I went, well, I understand psychology. I can start getting experimenting and getting feedback and then also I can use my statistics background and what I did similar to the movie Moneyball, where they found out
2: that in baseball the key statistic is mm-hmm. on base percentage. Mm-hmm. I figured out that the most important statistic in the car dealership was the write up, which is where you sit
1: down and with people at your desk and you show them numbers. And what that did is revolutionized my game because then my goal was even if folks, hey, I'm not buying today, hey, my wife isn't here, my husband isn't here, my dad isn't here, whatever objection hey look, while you're here, why don't we just go over some numbers so you have more information to think about, right and just that line alone skyrocketed my closing percentage because you get. That next step in the funnel, and I've uncovered that with psychology or with statistics rather. But I also figured out that people just don't walk through the front door till about 10, 11 a.m. and then they stop walking through the front door after about 3, 30 4 p.m. So what I did was I went first thing in the morning, you make all your calls. Then in the afternoon, you make some more calls. In the middle of the day. That's when you want to be on the front the front door. And another big important lesson I learned there was uh, to be.
3: There's a difference between being productive and being active, right? So in other yes. words, if you feel like you're doing something, that may not be the best use, highest and best use of your time. Yes. Long story short, I discovered all of this stuff just through selling cars to only come to the realization that. Oh my gosh, this is not sustainable
1: <laughs> at all. I'm working like 60-70 hours for a decent wage, but oh my god, I'm giving my entire life to this. If I get promoted to the F&I office, I'm giving even more of my life. Then
0: I go to the sales desk and it's it's more it's more time. Probably more pay. Right, more time than then the general sales
1: manager than as the, uh, the general manager, and every step up is a step farther away from what I want in my life, which is the ability to spend time with my family and to mm. do what I want and to make my work meaningful to me so I'm happy. So in other words, I went through this long process of putting in a ton of time into something that I ultimately walked away from feeling stuck. Mm. Like up is not Going up, being promoted is not an option. Going out is probably not an option either because a lot of the skills that I had at the car dealership wouldn't necessarily transfer to other sales jobs. So I'd be starting at the bottom. So, in other words, I felt really, really, really stuck, which I'm sure a lot of folks that are listening in also feel just stuck. And it's one of the worst feelings ever to feel like you're smart and hardworking but stuck. And so, in that process, I went, I refuse to be stuck. And so, I started reading everything I could. And two books changed my life. Four hour work
0: week Tim and Ferris. Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. And Rich Dad Rich Dad Poor Dad made me realize that
1: my skill sets and my passions fit real estate. So then at twenty four I bought my first home. It was a three bedroom townhouse. I moved in two of my buddies and that was my first experience in real estate. It went horribly. <laughs>
0: it went very, very badly because when you have your friends you're not a good landlord and obviously I didn't have a lease because I was a knucklehead of course and and I hate to say this but they were two of my best friends
1: and I don't talk to them anymore because of what happened which is so sad but at the same time you have to make those mistakes and then I realized when I went back to business school that I should probably be looking for something in real estate and I met my business partner Ian, mm-hmm. uh, and we both—he was working for a, a Fortune 500 real estate, uh, REIT at the time—and we both, our skill sets and our ability to disagree and our passions and, and everything just fit perfectly. And we realized real is, we met, we were meant to be real estate entrepreneurs together. And then we found the mobile home park niche. All in that so there's a really long-winded way to answer your question if i was to distill it down rich dad poor dad sure buying my first home together and then actively looking for years
0: and years and years and years and, years and educating myself along the way that's that is huge i mean Ryan, you just dropped so many gems there obviously you know partnering obviously helped you but you know finding great partners and people that you are compatible with that's what you should focus on you know if you're trying to do something like the way ryan is doing is he found great people around him and he grew himself like he he took his own, you know, his own goal and went and started finding some books and some things to help him change his mindset because he felt like he was stuck. So if you guys feel like you're stuck, you could easily do the same exact thing that he's done. You could just, you know, grow yourself and get some good partners. And next, thing you know, now Ryan's big in mobile home parks, which is obviously I, I love that niche, too. Uh, I have some Ryan, too. So, you know, do you want to? For those people who don't are not familiar with mobile home parks, could you just give us a little synopsis on mobile home parks and why you love them the way I do? Yeah. So, first off,
1: I think the most appealing. So, there's a lot. First off, there's a lot of hype around the industry, which I systematically debunk in
2: my podcast. Mm-hmm.
1: And I could talk about the hype, but I think the really at the end of the day, the most appealing thing about mobile home parks is not mentioned even in my own podcast. The most appealing thing to me in mobile home parks is the fact that you can get into it relatively easily with nothing. So later on this afternoon, I am going to upload a an episode called Starting With Nothing to my podcast where I detail out how I began with no network, no money, and no experience in the mobile home park industry. Mm. And it's not just an episode for mobile home parks, it's an episode for really anything. Because at the end of the day, it's going to be really, 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 really hard, but you can do it. And that's kind of the point I want to make with that episode, and, and the point I want to, to drill down uh, to answer your question about mobile home parks is, yes. you don't need millions of dollars to get started you don't need tons of experience to get started and that to me is the most appealing thing about the industry yeah it's cool that there's an inherent supply cap because counties don't want to build them so it's difficult to get the zoning yeah it's appealing because it'll cost you five thousand dollars plus 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 to move a mobile home out of a community so you have an inherent barrier to exit for your tenants Yes, there are. There's a huge need for affordable housing. So the the hype things are definitely there. But like I said, for for those who were like me a couple of years ago, not that long ago, where I felt stuck and I had no money or experience or
0: or any network. Yes. It was a wonderful, wonderful
1: medium to begin my journey as an entrepreneur.
0: That that that's I mean you found the perfect niche at the right perfect time, huh? Well, like the Chinese proverb says,
2: the best time to start was twenty years ago. The second best time to start is right now. It's right now. So I I would definitely not say
1: I came in at the right time. I would say Sam Zell came in at the right time in the early nineties. Billionaire now, and. Uh, yeah, coming in at about 2015, a couple of years ago, was definitely a good time to, to come in. But, man, some folks that got in decades ago are just absolutely swimming in it now. Wow. So I definitely wouldn't use the word perfect timing, but I, I will say this to all the listeners out there. Don't be discouraged by by, oh, well, well timing's not right. Well, it's like kids. Timing is never going to be right unless you win the lottery and you can hire your own
0: nanny. <laughs> that's Timing true. is never going to be right to have a child. That's it's the same thing with your business. Well, That's true. I, you know, because, you know, for me, Ryan, I found out a little bit late also. I'm not going to lie. You know, I found out because I was originally looking for apartment buildings. I was looking for, you know, the typical, you know, 20, 30 units, something to get me started. And... And, I, and it's the same, I think, I mean, close to the same story. I just kept seeing mobile home parks on the side, but I never understood the business. I never understood it, and I never really took it serious until I started really doing my research and digging and found out that, I mean, you can explain the business because you know you're in, obviously, but I love the fact that you can own something that produces income, and it's just, it's easy to enter into, which is easy entry, but then also it can grow, you can add more homes, you can, you know, fix up the homes, increase them, you can sell the homes, you can, you know, I mean, could you just talk us a little bit about the benefits of mobile homes? I mean, just the part, the, the, the whole business. Absolutely, so I'll give you a good for example. Yes. I had an awesome interview with John
1: Fedrow. He's a quote-unquote lobby dealer. And basically what he does is he'll buy a mobile home fix it and flip it. Now, here's the appeal to that. You can get a mobile home for $5,000, sometimes way cheaper than that. It's pretty simple to fix. It can get outrageously expensive. But what I ran into at 24 years old, buying my first rental property slash FHA loan that I lived in and Mm -hmm. rented out to my buddies, what I found there is I had to come up with a down payment and then I had this massive amount of debt on hand and the cash flow wasn't good enough for me to be able to go and just start gobbling up and scaling up a business, right? Because I needed a lot of capital and a lot of debt, and I still needed an income with which to, obviously, eat. So the cool thing about mobile homes is, a lot of times, you don't need to get debt. If you just do the Lonnie Dealer thing and and just do the mobile home itself, you don't need to go and get debt. You can buy $5,000 homes, fix them, flip them, and you can rent them for relatively the same amount as a a small single family home so mm-hmm. you go out and you spend 45,000 to 90,000 buying a home and then you get six hundred to a thousand dollars a month in rent, or you spend five thousand dollars on a on a mobile home. You rent it out for five hundred to seven hundred dollars. There's not a giant delta between that, but the amount of capital is difference is huge. Oh, so it's appealing in that regard. Now, taking that one step further to the mobile home park itself. Yes. The cool thing is, uh, you are able to. Get seller carry. So now I've had a lot of trouble finding seller carry options. Last week, we closed on our first seller carry, which is really cool because you can do non-recourse because a lot of the little properties that I've bought, I personally have recourse on. And the problem with taking out recourse is obviously if that fails, they come after all your stuff. Exactly. But more than that, if, you, if you're starting with nothing like I did, a bank – a bank isn't gonna. I, I'm not gonna be able to put up collateral because I don't have any money. I, like, what are they gonna do? Come after my Honda Fit? <laughs> I, I don't have. I don't have anything they can come after. So I have to introduce an investor who is willing to to stomach that risk as well as stomach the growing pains that I was going through as a new operator. But again, to what you were saying earlier about finding the right partners. If you find the right investor partner who's willing to stomach that risk, obviously for a little bit more returns than normal, you can find a wonderful situation, which I have with, with our main investor. But advantage being, you can go and gobble up these properties for, I'll give you, for example, we bought Eastgate Mobile Home Park for, I believe it was 465000 mm-hmm. Capital raise was about $150,000 had to bring on an investor because it was a recourse loan. But it was forty two lots at I think it was one seventy a month and we bumped the rents closer to market and don't own any of the homes. It's direct build, water and sewer. Basically we went in we went in there, we fixed the roads, we cut down some trees, we put in some lights so people would feel safer. We got out some bad tenants. We brought in some good new tenants. We Six collections issues. We did a bunch of work, but now the properties work a whole lot more because it was owned by absentee owners and now we're very hands-on with the with the property. And for $150,000 plus bringing in an investor to help you get a recourse loan, sure, that's not that big of a deal relative to having to raise billions to buy a portfolio of single-family homes or storage or apartments. So that's That, to me, is a really big appeal to it. And then, like I alluded to earlier, it's really expensive to move homes out. So a lot of times when people default, you can negotiate with them. Mm. And it's very difficult to develop out new ones for new mobile home parks. So if someone buys the property next to you, demos it, and then builds a mobile home park next to you, they have to bring in homes, they have to do all this infrastructure. And on and on and on, it's really, really, really expensive to do that. At the moment, it is still cheaper to buy pre-existing mobile home parks than it is to develop one. I suspect in the future that might change, and counties will change their opinion of it, but of mobile home parks and affordable housing in general – and what will happen is in time, you'll start to see more development because there's not a lot of development. But what that does for you is that gives you an inherent supply cap. So in other words, I don't have the fear of someone coming in next door, building a bit bigger, better, cheaper-to-live-in mobile home community than mine and just torch me and run me out of business. Mm. So that's really, really appealing too.
0: So yeah, there's, there's a lot of really appealing aspects to this niche. Wow. I mean, that's... That's so much information, Ryan. I, I appreciate that. It's, it's. I mean, I, I know about the business obviously I have some parks myself. What would you say, because obviously you've been in the business, now you have investors that you work with, would you say the easiest road in terms of, let's say, starting to buy a park, would you say, like, is there, uh, you know, a certain number of person should be looking for, a certain area? I mean, where should people start looking if they want to start getting into the niche of mobile home parks? So you and I talked about this. So this is gonna be a little bit of a sidetrack. So sure. I think
1: that so to just directly answer your question, I think that you need to start, you as in the listener, need to start by discovering who you are and what you want out of it. Now I personally my first day Ian and I, my business partner, Ian and I, our first day, what we did was we sat down and we mapped out what we want in our life and what we want in our career
2: mm, and
1: how we big. were going to get it. That's big. And that has made decision-making and lead sourcing and everything so much easier because we have very specific markets, very specific properties that we go, to, go through. So if you have a database like I do, which is about 1,400 entries, and you're working full-time, It's very difficult to do the outreach to all of those properties, 1,400 properties. I did the math on one of my episodes where I revealed my lead generation secrets. That I could only, if you do the math, it it only comes out to two or three touches a year. And that's just a lot of times not enough outreach. Mm. So if you can make your target a bullseye, you will be much more efficient with your time. And you and I were talking about to go, so that's kind of to directly answer your question that you just need to figure out where your time is best spent and you need to figure out who you are and what you want out of it. Now to kind of tell a a little bit of a side story, when I broke up with this girl in like some point in 2012, Mm -hmm. she totally broke my heart, totally broke my heart. And I just, kind of had this realization that I could continue to feel sorry for myself or I could go do something about it. And and one thing I realized about myself was I've always been a scrawny, I'm about six foot tall, and I weigh, I don't know, 160, 170 pounds at the time. And I realized I'm a scrawny kid and I need to, maybe what I need to do is just reinvent myself and just start hit the gym, start powerlifting rather than running. Mm-hmm. Because even though I have a runner's body, maybe what I'm missing out on is just this, like, jack body that'll attract the right woman, right? So I think we all have been there, We're male, female, whatever. We've had that moment where we feel inadequate to, to a significant other, and we go out and, and kind of change our lifestyle. And, and what I did was I, I just got super into powerlifting. I mean, protein shakes the meals, the the leg day once or twice a week. And I'm at the gym six days out of seven days of the week. And I loved, I really enjoyed doing that. And I remember not long after I met my wife Mm -hmm. and she told me, she said, you know, I don't really care for big muscly guys. And as soon as she said that, I was done. <laughs> I don't think i been to the gym then. Yeah. And I think that kind of funny story about the gym is really relevant to entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of use my experience at the gym as a proxy for being, wanting to be an entrepreneur, it, it matches really well. Because... For me, going to the gym, yeah, it was fun, but I didn't really love it to the degree that would help me get bust through the plateaus, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are a lot of those programs out out there like, oh, hey, buy the App Blaster and you'll have apps like this dude or this woman on this commercial that is an obvious model that probably never has eats carbs and they just have these, it's just ridiculous, right? Like, oh, go buy this or go do this or drink my product or buy my sneakers or this, that, or the other thing, right? They're hyping up something. When the truth about lifting is you have to be on a strict schedule. You can realistically only put on so many pounds of muscles a year. If you are power you are not going to be cut. If you don't also do cardio, so in other words, you could be this big jack dude that is just a, a blob because all you're doing is eating and lifting weights and you're not running or doing cardio, so you're not getting that, that Arnold Schwarzenegger cut look. So in other words, what you end up doing is you, you go to this big rigmarole where you, you put your hopes and your dreams in a product or an idea mm-hmm. and you spend your time and your money only to realize Like, if you ever even get to, because some people just can't get cut. It's just physically very difficult to, number one, sustain or even get to. So you have these ridiculous dreams that are not ridiculous in your mind because the information you're absorbing is from these people who are outstanding at marketing, and they, they, they peer into your soul Find what's missing, and then convince you that their product is going to fill that hole, and then they are very persuasive to get you to go buy their product. And it's this—it's for me in powerlifting. It wasn't about powerlifting; it was about finding my wife. Mm-hmm. And then when I found her, I gave up. <laughs> and for me, I talked to a lot of folks trying to get into the real estate industry. For me, I was pleasantly surprised to find meaning and purpose in what I did in the mobile home park space. For me, mobile home parks were the medium to to fill that hole, fill that void, help me to remove that feeling of being stuck. But it was also the end goal, and so all the incentives aligned, and it's... It wasn't that way in powerlifting, right? Because I got into powerlifting as a medium to meet a woman that was wrong, and it was inherently going to fail. And when you start your real estate journey, if you don't start by asking who you are, what you like and what you don't like, Mm. and you make it as simple as I just did, well, I'm powerlifting to find a woman, because at the time it wasn't that simple. At the time, I was powerlifting. It was fun. At the time, I didn't, it wasn't as clear to me that I was just doing it to attract a woman. And I think a lot of people fall into that trap in real estate where they have this void that they're trying to fill. They feel stuck. They feel unfilled. They don't have meaning and purpose. And I think what has happened and will happen, unfortunately, to a lot of people is they, they fill this void with a hype story like a mobile home park being – the way to passive income and the, the way to quit your job and to escape feeling stuck, yeah. that void in your soul is being filled by something that potentially could be a terrible, terrible thing. Because I talk about this on my podcast that I read all the, as much as I could and I listened to, to all these podcasts and I talked to all these people and, and I had an idea of what Mobile Home Parks was. And then I was pleasantly so surprised to find out that was not the case. Mm. (laughs) It was very, very, very different, but in a very good way because I found meaning and purpose and my skill set matched. So I was pleasantly surprised, but I meet a lot of people, accountants, salespeople. Uh, I even know uh, a principal of an elementary school who May or may not, his skill set may or may not fit, and he may be the opposite of me and may be unpleasantly surprised and have quit his job and put up all of his money to find out he hates it. And now he's in, in an even worse position because he can't just go back and be a principal, right? Now he's got recourse debt over his head and a job he hates that he's created for himself and he's limiting his upside because all of his money is tied up and he's got to use his dividends and his asset management fees to eat. So in other words, it could be a nightmare. So that's why I say over and over and over again on my podcast, start with why figure out you Mm -hmm. figure out what's missing in your soul that you think real estate and entrepreneurship is going to fill and then if you find that, yes, it is real estate, it is owning my own business, then
0: realize it's going to be really, really difficult, but you can do it. Mm, that's big. That's huge, Ryan. That's, uh, I think you mentioned so many great things there. I think a lot of people, like you mentioned, a lot of people try to use real estate and they don't understand how to really do the bit. They really don't understand what it takes like you mentioned. So, I think a lot of people try to use it for the the wrong thing. Like you said, you have to first build yourself to understand that real estate is going to be a thing because you might think it's real estate but it actually might not be, you know? Like it's a different game than, you know, playing the stock market or doing something else different. And the way you mentioned that if people understood that they have to build themselves first, then they could find if real estate is their thing. You know, don't don't try to fit it into something that's empty like you mentioned. Great point, Ryan. Great point. Um, could you could you give us a little bit about your now your business model? Explain a little bit about you know the Archimedes group and how you guys what you guys really do in terms of once you get a property and how you get a property. Could you give us a little bit walkthrough about your business model? Sure. So one big lesson I got
1: from my strategy professor at Wake Forest when I was getting my MBA was if you get into a Mature industry. So real estate in general is a pretty mature industry. There's not going to be a whole lot of innovative, disruptive technology coming. You could argue maybe 3D printing or tiny houses, but realistically, there's not a whole lot of potentially disruptive technology entering. And whenever you have that, you need to constantly be looking for alternate revenue streams. And just as a business person in general, you should always be looking for ways to provide value in exchange for money. So for me, I look at a few things. Number one, I've gotten really good at operating. So I speak Spanish. It's not good, but it works. (laughs) I would say funciona, which means it works. Or es bastante, which means it's enough.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I can do that I can, I've operated, I've had not at one time about a thousand lots under my belt. I've done so much from a property management turnaround thing that I can actually and have taken on consulting gigs for profit. So I can monetize my skill set that way. I can sell (laughs) mobile homes because I'm licensed in the state of South Carolina. I can make money that way. I can, so Ian just got his brokerage license, so for any time we find an opportunity that doesn't fit our core business, which is buying properties, turning them around and sitting on them and having them be cash flowing assets, we can also monetize our lead generation that doesn't fit our core business model, right? So ultimately, there's a bunch of ancillary ways for us to make income as well as just sourcing deals and buying deals. Now, as we, so to answer your question about how do we find deals, well, basically we have a big database and we call, we show up at front doors sometimes. I did that last week and I called the lady
3: two days ago to follow up with her. Mm-hmm. And I just used my, my salesman ship that I developed in
1: the car dealership. And I, Build these relationships with folks, make them comfortable with me, tell them what I'm about, see if I'm a fit for them and what what they want. And the cool thing is not only can I use that to buy properties, but now with Ian involved, I can basically... It's not a fit for us. I can pitch it over to Ian and Ian can pitch his brokerage services and we can find other ways to make money. So in other words, as an entrepreneur and as a business person in general, you just need to constantly be looking for what can I do that makes somebody else's life better off? So much so that they'd be willing to give you money in exchange for your product or your service. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly looking for, for those things, but those are just a handful of things that I've
0: found that I can monetize. That's that's fantastic, Ryan. You can make money. Like he just mentioned a great point, which is not just one stream of income. He has multiple ways of making money, and he's always constantly finding trying to find ways to make more. So that's, that's the thing you guys need to take away from this podcast is – He's taken instead of taking one stream of income and started adding multiple streams of selling homes, renting homes, buying parks, selling parks, consulting. I mean, those are all ways of him making income for himself and his company and his family for generations because he's not stuck in one mindset of I can only have one income and then go home and, you know, try to be on the Internet for for hours instead of trying to figure out ways to grow yourself by adding ways to increase your income. That's great, Ryan. Could you could you give us um could you give us a little bit about you, you I mean, I, I know you mentioned a little bit about the first park. Was that the first part? The forty two spaces that you bought? Was that your first deal? Our first deal was in Hillsborough, North Carolina. It was eighty nine lots. Wow. I can tell a quick story about that. Sure.
3: So we found this deal through a broker. So
1: a couple other ways we find deals, by the way. Brokers are fantastic sources. Networking, direct outreach, obviously. And then you've got Lubnet and actually Facebook. We got a lead on Facebook recently, which was interesting. So there's a lot of different ways, unconventional ways you can find properties on market and off market. But our first mobile home park was in Hillsborough, North Carolina. We actually found that through a broker. We got... It off market, which is pretty cool. So before it hit market, we made an offer on it and we called, we called, it was 40 banks and we got 40 no's. <laughs> <laughs> it was brutal. This, by the way, this property in the two and a half years that we've owned it. We have gotten two unsolicited LOIs, one for, I think it was $850,000 more than we bought it, one for a million dollars more than we bought it. This property has been an absolute home run. Wow. And and even still, we have 40 no's from 40 banks. Brutal. And it was... A good learning lesson for us because we really realized how difficult it was going to be. It difficult, but possible, right? So that's mm-hmm. my big thing on my podcast is I want to encourage folks to keep going, but know upfront it's is going to be really hard. So what we ended up having to do was pull a relationship. So basically what we wanted to do was partner up with a someone who already had the experience. So that's exactly what we did. We found an operator we were comfortable with. We had plenty of conversations with. We understood each other and I'm proud to say that they delivered on everything they said they were gonna deliver on. So I was pretty happy with that because I've heard some horror stories. So I was pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. But basically we viewed our first deal as, hey, let's do a training. Just do it training wheels. Let's partner up with someone who's done this many times and Basically, they tasked us with getting the the funding, which the debt, which obviously we failed, and they ended up having to pull a favor. But that's a really important story, I think, for many reasons. Because I was in my twenties when that happened, as as was Ian. I'm 31 now, Ian's 28, mm-hmm. and that was, you know, I was in my twenties when when we found that. So basically, the bank was looking at it like Ian and Ryan are 20-something. They have very little money. <laughs> Sure, Ryan's got a, a fancy-dancy master's degree, but so what? Everybody said no, so we had to pull a favor, and I think that's really important because keep in mind that when you when you look at people who are rocking and rolling within any industry, typically what you only hear are their highlight reels, right? So the 360 degree dunk or posterizing someone. You see that and you don't see the time in the gym or the time watching film or the time at practice or the time where they have to overcome something with their teammate or their coach or
3: they might be traded or X, Y, and Z happens. Like if you're a sports fan like me, it sounds like whatever's going on with Anthony Davis
1: down in New Orleans is just a disaster for that team, right? So a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that never makes it there. And when you listen to podcasts and read books and talk to people, a lot of times that's left out. And I think it's a really important story to know for your all y'all listeners is that I failed hard. Oh mm. my gosh. Mm. It, it is really, it's hard to
0: hear one though, much less 40. 40. <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing to have to go to your investor
1: partner who you want to impress because you look up to them and go I failed 40 times. Yeah. Can you pull a favor, right? Yeah.
0: But if you can put that humiliation and embarrassment and shame to the side and keep going, the reward is there. Oh, I mean, it's I think there's a great quote that says, you know, between before you know, before every success there has to be failure. Like it's it's not you can't you can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. So, and I think the fact that you went through forty nos. I mean, be honest, Ryan. Doesn't it? Don't you appreciate it a lot more? Because you know you where you came from, you
1: know, it's funny when we started. Yeah. Ian and I said, Ian and I said, you know what? We're starting with nothing, but man, isn't this gonna feel great? and be a great story one day if we make it big. See? (laughs) And yeah, I mean, that'll be a cool story, but at the time, and and really a couple years into it, I have
0: been like, yeah, but right now it'd be nice if we had a lot of money. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) It would just be be easier, right? Of, Of course. And after this episode that I wrote, that
1: I'm gonna release later this afternoon, starting with nothing, I think I really realized why to answer your question, I'm actually glad I started with nothing because there were so many things I had to learn because there were so many obnoxious hurdles that would have been so easy to jump if I had experience or if I was older or if I had more money or if I had X, Y, and Z that I didn't have that I had to find a way to overcome that basically trained my mind to go, look, if I could overcome this, Mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what's put in front of me I can find a way to do it and if anything in this life that's good is hard to get otherwise everyone would do it so to really answer true. your question yeah absolutely right. and and it's more than just that we had nothing and we were starting with nothing and sure it would have been nice to do X Y and Z but at the end of the day I feel accomplished and I just didn't feel that way on any of my former jobs, where I was on salary, or even when I was a commission only salesperson. So in March of 2011, I sold 30 cars that month. It was insane. I basically sold a car a day. And on April 1st, I was nothing, right? And it was back to square one. And so even even then, when you're like, I'm starting with nothing. I have no cars sold in March. Oh my gosh, look how many cars I sold. Mm-hmm. Now it's back to square one April 1st. Here it's not like that. Here, I, I have equity in eight mobile home parks right now. And I had a really tough January for a whole lot of reasons. And I was really down on myself for a lot, but at the end of the day, I know some of the things that I've done are really meaningful and I can look, I've found that meaning. I filled that hole in my soul, right? Cause mm-hmm. I'll give you a, a couple of examples. We just accepted our first scholarship recipient, which is so exciting. It's not a whole lot of money. We want to scale it up. But to be able to put a low-income person in college and at least help pay for it means so much to me. To be able to give back, that is – I I just – man, that has made me happier than anything else. Wow. And another big thing we're doing is we've teamed up with PayLease and – what that will allow folks to do is pay online. And every time they pay online, it positively reports to their credit. And that is really, really cool because when you think about anytime you've ever rented anything, that's one of your biggest bills every month. It's not your biggest bill. And unless you have a mortgage, it does not go to your credit. And a lot of folks are living in mobile home parks because they don't have good credit or any credit. Mm -hmm. And for me to be able to report only positive, to be able to report to my tenants credit and help them build their credit, that means so much to me to mm. be able to help them to do that. Wow. So and not only that, I get to cut trees down and fix potholes and fix skirting and, and get bad people crime out and bring in good good families. There's just so much joy there mm. that if I make millions of dollars and I get to retire to the Bahamas one day or something like that. I don't think the money is going to be what I talk about. And I think, so there's a good thing in psychology called the hedonic treadmill, where they basically say, you go out, you buy a BMW for a month or two, you're ecstatic,
2: but then it just becomes part of your life mm-hmm. and you're back to
1: square one. Mm-hmm. Right? And so for me, when I, so I interviewed, for example, Mike Conlin of Affordable Communities Group. In one of my recent episodes, and he kind of alludes to this, that for him being the serving on the board of Wake Technical College is, is so meaningful to him doing his free food giveaways because a lot of his residents. So he had the courage to go and face his residents face to face. And what he learned was a lot of his folks at the end of the month, they are deciding between res- food and medicine. And so he was so moved by that that he, he started his free food giveaways at all of his properties. And then he does like coaching the youth basketball team. And what he finds in his life now is, yeah, it's really like getting a new deal is fun. Don't get me wrong. Making a bunch of money is fun. And doing things that other people can't do and having your skills come to fruition is is. Being in the zone, quote unquote, is really, really fun. But at the end of the day, what's really more meaningful and what really brings to you true happiness is helping others. Oh, and for me, I think when I'm facing retirement or when I'm on my deathbed one day, I think what I'm going to reminisce about is about all the people that I've helped. Yeah. And to me, that is is what that's the hole in my soul that I found I am able to fill. By helping people through my skills and and my tenants and and really my customers to to give back to them as well as make a profit myself. Everybody is better off at the end of the day. That to me makes me
0: so happy and, and helps me get through really tough times. Wow. Wow, Ryan. I mean, that you know, like I said, you always mention great points. You know, for me, I do the same thing. Like we, I mean, I remember we talked a little bit earlier, and the same reason I started this podcast is the same thing that Ryan's doing with land lease, giving back in terms of credit to help people build their credit. Because I started this podcast for those people who I saw coming into my units that didn't have good credit, didn't have a house, didn't know how to build themselves. And I said, you know what? If I have the information, I can give it away. You know, I, I've read the books, I've, I've done the research, I've done these things, and I can give away information and I can bring on guests who've done great things like you, Ryan, and you can drop knowledge on these on the people because you've done it. You've gone through the hurdles. You can learn. They can learn from you. And it's great that you you give them back in terms of I mean, free knowledge. You know, you give them back in terms of housing. You give them back in terms of fixing the neighborhood. Back to giving back in terms of the community. You know, you give them back in terms of that scholarship. Now helping people build their credit. People need to understand this. Like, it for people for people like who I don't want to say so called made it. The greatest thing is to give back. I mean, people, I mean, Tony Robbins says that, you know, the greatest gift is to give somebody else, is to give. So it doesn't sound superficial because it's not like we're trying to make stuff up. It's really true. Like when you start giving back to people and you start trying to help people, like we try to help the people that are around us, which are the people that we work with, the people that work for us, people that live in our units. We try to help people. You actually realize that you're going to get everything that you want. Don't you realize that, Ryan? Like you end up getting everything you want. Yeah, it's, 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 so, it's, it's true. it's said this, and I thought it was great. They were
1: like, you will never go broke helping others, in so many words. And it's so
0: true. Yeah, it's so true. And that's what Ryan's do, been doing now for years, and he's going to continue doing. And Ryan, I don't, th- I don't see you retiring anytime soon, man. You love the business too much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see you doing... I love, I love being busy, that's true. Yeah, exactly. I don't see you doing any any type of... Uh, maybe a couple of vacations here and there, mini-retirements, mini- but I know you're not going to be away from the business. And actually, so like we mentioned about, you know, buying the mobile homes themselves, you know, trying to fix them up yourself and trying to rent them and try to, you know, flip them yourself. You can make money that way. You know, you can make money by buying smaller parks and, you know, finding a targeted market, like Ryan mentioned, and starting to really focus your time on getting to know brokers, getting to look online, find ways to, you know, for yourself to try to grow yourself so you can understand the business because you don't want to jump in eyes closed. I mean, we're telling you about one business, but it might not be your business. So, so, Ryan and I are in kind of the same business, so we can talk about it because that's our specialty. But we want to give to those people who may be on the fence of maybe trying to buy a house or maybe trying to start a business or maybe trying to build themselves up. We're telling you that you can do this. Yes, there's fear. Yes, there's hit issues. Yes, there's going to be, you know, 40, 50 no's. But you can do this. I mean, we, I've done it myself. Uh, you know, Ryan's done it. His partners have done it. He knows a lot of people who started from zero. His recent episodes come in talking about starting from zero. So it doesn't matter where you are. You could be from, you know, from Canada down to Mexico, wherever you are, you can do something. You can do something. That's what Ryan's kind of pushing forward. So Ryan, could you tell us a little bit more about, you know, I know you create value by fixing up the homes and stuff like that. Um, is there any other methods that people can learn about like the way, you know, you do business that can help us in terms of Psychology and business, and you know that kind of combination. Absol- absolutely, absolutely. So,
3: actually, I would love to start with one of my favorite quotes of all time, sure. um, of Marcus Marcus Aurelius, where he said, in so many words, "The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way
1: becomes the way." Mm. Mind blowing quote. Mm mind-blowing quote, but that was kind of what I alluded to earlier. I had my life threatened once at one of one of our properties, yeah. and I ended up, thankfully, defusing the situation and, and getting the guy out of there. Now, he ended up going to jail very shortly thereafter, so whatever I did worked. That's a whole long other story, but
0: talk about having your adrenaline kicking in. Sure. But here's the thing. I I've negotiated for years. I've had to
1: at the car dealership. Oh my gosh! As you can imagine, you deal with people with just outrageous emotions, <laughs> anger, fear, the works. So I've I've had a lot of experience in kind of bringing people down into the realm of rationality. Mm. You know, people drunk on emotions. I, I, I've diffused tense situations and, and helped people come to their own. Like, let me think through this logically. Let me put emotions to the side, right? Mm. It's a big part of sales. And when, I, when that moment hit and, and it was fight or flight response, if I did not have those skills, I maybe would not be talking to you right now. Wow. And I think it's really, really important because if you, but I, at the same time, I knew the, this is my skill set. If anybody can defuse the situation, that's me. Mm-hmm. And thankfully I was right. But if I didn't have those skills and I was the white belt, the novice the in unconscious incompetence the you're not good and you don't know you're not good kicks in you could be that fighter that flight pilot that crashes into the sea or the mountain or wherever mm. because you are taking on all these skills that you just don't have and you don't know you don't have them so the most important psychological step in my mind other than knowing yourself and, and being able to control your own emotions is also being able to go you know what I don't know a lot of stuff. Mm. Let me try to uncover what I, let me figure out my unknown unknowns and make them known unknowns. Because as soon as you identify what skills you don't have, what things you don't know, then you can start figuring those things out. And then you can start building skills and then you, you morph into conscious incompetence. And then you go to unconscious competence where you're good and you don't know it. And then eventually you get conscious competence where you're good and you know it. Mm. And that's obviously where you want to be. But whenever you're starting it, myself included, when you don't know you are not good at something, you've got to, as quickly as you can, figure out your known unknowns and and quickly get into the conscious incompetence. So that way you don't get into a situation where you are just completely exposed and you could get taken for a lot of money mm-hmm. or, or have your life hurt, or
0: be injured or have other people injured so True. That's, that's really big almost a whole slew of other things we could talk about for hours no 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 that's, that, totally, no, really that's great thing. that's no that's great Ryan. that's 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 excellent because the, the whole the whole the whole concept pretty much of, of this podcast is invest in your future and the way you invest in your future is what's Ryan talking about right there, which is learning that you don't know everything, learning that you can get better, and learning on how to, to get better so you can be, you know, you can have more value, you can make more money, but you could also control more, more, more projects. You can understand, hey, this is what it's gonna take in order to be successful, this is what it's gonna take in order to me to diffuse this situation. But if you don't know how to do these certain things, how to build credit, how to start, you know, write up a, you know, partnership agreement, how to work with lawyers, how to work with accountants. Yes, you might not be familiar with it right now. Just the way Ryan's talking about, you might not know these skills, you might not have these skills, but you can build on them by working on them slowly and continuously because this is what's done for both of us. I mean, Ryan is a big believer in personal development. Same myself. We preach it in, in his, his podcast, my podcast. The name of this Podcast is invest in your future, but you need to invest in your future by taking the steps that we that we give you and implementing them into your life. That's like, that's the only way you're gonna get better. Is you have to improve yourself. So thank you, Ryan, for mentioning that. Um, now, yeah. So now let's let's go into the top five here, ending up the podcast here. And my top five here, these these five questions are kind of my personal questions right now, and the other questions were more for people who wanna you know learn about the business. But these are the top five that I I feel like. I've always wanted to know, especially of everyone who's successful. So my first one is, what's what's your number one habit that contributes to your success? Would you say perseverance?
1: If that if that's a habit, definitely perseverance. Mm. So I'm trying to figure
2: out
3: a
1: good way to. To explain a lot in a really short period of time I think that I'll give you a good for example so for Spanish I do I have this app called Duolingo it's a free app mm-hmm. I have it on insane mode which is 15 minutes a day give or take and every single day I hit 600 days in a row today oh. and I think it's really really important because 15 minutes in one day is not a lot 15 minutes per 600 days in a row. That's a lot, and the app tells you thirty four hours of basically thirty four hours of Duolingo is equivalent to an entire semester of college. Wow. So I, just, I I can't do the math. I'm not good at mental math, but six hundred days times fifteen minutes. If you do the math, I've I've done probably several semesters, maybe two or three semesters, shooting from the hip, guessing of Spanish just by doing it fifteen minutes a day. Now I know that sounds like a little thing, but just Doing that Mm. builds your willpower to be able to – willpower is like a muscle, right? Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things I love about what I do, and there's a lot of things that are really challenging for me. Like, for example, it takes a lot of willpower for me to cold call. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love sales. I love talking to people, but it takes a lot of willpower. I know my willpower is strongest in the morning. Every morning I'm on the phone no matter what before my day gets started I am cold calling owners mm-hmm. and I'm able to do that because of my habit of perseverance and because of slowly building that willpower every single day because once a day it goes a long way it is better to do a little bit every day and slowly let it
0: snowball than it is to sprint and then stop mm-hmm. so perseverance that's thats thats I mean that's the number, ha- number one habit that I'd say is is almost, you have to have it. You have to, because pretty much behind that is just failure. If you don't persist, you actually, when you stop moving, that's when you actually fail. So, that's great, right? And that's actually a great point, too, of the, the compounding of, of learning Spanish or working on that app for 15 minutes a day, for two days, three days, is not going to make a difference. But by 600 days, I mean, now you said you're pretty much fluent in it, right? Wouldn't you say? Like, that's that's impressive. I, it's it's fluent, but it's a I Yo puedo ofrarlo, pero it's totally a disaster. and disastre. Especially I sound awful. But it <laughs> like makes sense. horrible, But it works. It works. It works. I, I can't tell you I can't tell you how
1: important it is to be able to look someone in the face and say, Yo soy el dueño de esta propiedad." So I'm the owner of this property. To meet them to shake their hand and to speak in their own language. Not to get political, not to get political. Mm. But you hear a lot of times people going, well, this is our country, and you should come here and learn our language. And although that may be true, and I'm Irish, that's my my country of origin, and and I'm also Polish and Lithuanian, and and my ancestors had to learn English when they came here. My great-grandmother from Poland, she didn't speak a word of English when she got... Uh, she went through Ellis Island and then up to Connecticut. She didn't speak a word of English. She just, yeah, she had to learn it. But here's the thing. Although that may be right that people ought to come here and learn our language, although that may be right, that will not get you paid. Not get you at paid. the end of the day at the end of the day, you can complain about how other people aren't doing X, Y, and Z, or you could adjust and you can learn another language. And then you can profit where others aren't. Mm. So, yeah, you you can espouse that theory and not be
0: wrong. But, oh, my gosh, that is not getting you paid. You got to get paid. If you want to get paid, learn another language. Right Right there. There's a tip right there. Nice little tip from Ryan. Want to get paid? Learn another language. Great, great stuff, Ryan. Um, uh, For my next question, what's the most exciting project you're currently working on right now? Man, mm. I, I I think obviously my scholarship is when
1: I almost start crying. I know it's, it sounds it sounds weak. I know no, yeah, I okay, have a, okay. a culture we want to be tough men, but I almost started crying when when I was drafting up the email because I was just so ex- ecstatic. So that, that's really exciting. My podcast is, is very fulfilling too because I really like helping people, and sure. I don't I'm not selling anything. I just I'm not looking for investors with it. I, I'm just doing my my main reason for doing my podcast amongst a whole bunch of different reasons I'm doing it is I wanna help people mm-hmm. and I wanna encourage people to keep going. So for, for me that's that's a really exciting project that I'm working on and and just growing my business. I mean, to mm. to be able to buy a property, make it safer, get Criminals out. Bring in good families who really need affordable housing. Helping them build their credit. That to me is really exciting. It, it's just it's so cool to have my passion match something I can be really good at, and I can make money, and I can help others all in the same time. It is just it is. It, don't get me wrong. I, I, like I said, I had a really really tough last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But I I mean I woke up this morning ecstatic to get to work nice. so that that to me is, is wealth whether i'm a millionaire or not to me that's just a statistic to me real wealth is is to, to have that motivation to get up every day and to find fulfillment and meaning and purpose on what i do
0: that's great ryan i mean that's you have a lot of positive stuff going on that's and i can understand why you're so proud of that because it's something that you, you've created and from where you've come from, I mean, it's nothing but to be proud of so that's nothing wrong with being emotional about that. um for one of my other top five here is so we talked about a lot of positives, a lot of uh, negatives, but this one's really because in terms of, i I mean everyone has these failures, but I was gonna say, what's the worst I want to say deal, but maybe you know it could be it could be a worse deal or worse mistake that's let's say that's cost you a lot of money, maybe cost you a lot of time. And what did you learn from it? If you could possibly, you know, give us one of those. Yeah, I actually have an episode about
1: that called Due Diligence Nightmare where basically we found out that we didn't think
0: to check the water bills on the property. And basically we bought a property that had some absurd absurd water leak and we didn't see
1: it up front now we probably still would have bought the property anyway sure but that that was a punch to the gut i've also i've also recently bought a mobile home that fell apart and the guy basically has left me out to dry i've lost i'll probably end up losing about four thousand dollars there i hired the wrong contractor let me just uh, nugget here Don't ever hire – the thing about getting a repave done, don't ever hire someone who isn't really good at it. Because what I've seen in the the road paving business is you are either really, really good at it or you're awful. (laughs) And there's no middle ground there. And when you find a road paver who is good at what they do, you wait. I mean, I've got a couple road pavers that are out. Standing and I wait, I wait months for their work because the, one of the first times I ever hired a road paver was about a year ago he basically took I think it, it, was, it was $4,310 from me that I never saw again, just gone wow. and we ended up having to we ended up having to go to the the local detective to report fraud, it turns out this guy had a warrant for his arrest but the good news is we did a bunch of things right. We had his social security number, his address, his phone number. He signed a contract with us. So it was, we had all the, the evidence. Was he, basically, we just I just one or two emails to the detective. And a couple months later, he's in jail. Wow. Because yes. apparently he did this to a couple other folks. So, yeah, I've made a ton of mistakes. And I'm going to continue to make mistakes. And the cool thing is I found the right investor who's willing to kind of stomach my growing pains and – it's important to to know back to what I was saying earlier about the car dealership and the sales manager being incentivized to lie to your sales manager mm. it's so important to be able to admit you made a mistake because it's so it's so easy to just get trapped in the, oh like I'm gonna defend my own ego and get defensive and that's not productive it is so much I almost take pride in, in going my, my self-esteem is so strong I'm willing to admit that I made a mistake. In fact, I would prefer to take responsibility because mm-hmm. that almost is like strength to me because once you do that even even with your own employees by the way, mm-hmm. to go even when it's obvious that they made a mistake to go you know what, I didn't train you on this this is my mistake. You'll find that eventually they'll go, you know what you didn't train me but come on, I, I should have had common sense to do this. Then boom you avoid all of this negative stuff mm-hmm. you circumvent the ridiculous emotions that are going to you know, have these ridiculous mental gymnastics, and and you can get to it. So yeah, I mean, if you can admit that you made a mistake, oh my gosh, it sets you up to to, to rectify about any situation. So yeah, wow. plenty more mistakes
0: I can talk about too. By the way. <laughs> I think we all have plenty of lists. I mean, my list is pretty long too. I mean, on the finance side, on the on on you know bad due diligence. I mean, that's one thing you guys can learn from Ryan right now is you're going to make mistakes but learn from them also, you know, try not to repeat them, you're g- it's going to happen, no matter how many mentors, how many books you read, how many, you know, podcasts you listen to, how many videos you watch, you're going to make your own mistakes, but you try to avoid them, obviously, but try to learn from them, and the way we, you know, we both learn from each other is you try to, you listen to somebody else's mistake and try not to copy it, that's one thing I learned is just try not to copy somebody else's mistake, especially if you learn from them that, hey, don't, don't do this, follow due, proper due diligence, and you get a good deal. You get a good, you know, good uh, property. So that's a great thing to learn. And my final one here, Ryan, for me, who would you say is the most influential person to you today? Or like a mentor to you? Like, who would you say number one that comes to mind?
1: Oh, God, that's so hard because there's so many people that have just
0: been mm.
1: invaluable to me. I mean, my social studies professor for my sophomore year in high school, lit the flame that made me you know I think if you asked him he would tell you that 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 I, that I, I always had that charcoal there waiting to be ignited and sure he made have been might have been the match to ignite that but it was always there but he's a very influential person to me even though I haven't talked to him in years one of my best friends Mike Conlon who I interviewed on my podcast he has taught me so much mm-hmm so he I've got to say he's extraordinarily influential to me I've had my investor partner I alluded to earlier has just been invaluable to me mm-hmm. and then there's professors there's friends there's former bosses there are people I invited to my wedding mm. there's there's so many I think I think if I if you were to say who's the most influential and then obviously there are people I haven't met before they've yeah. read their books and I've absorbed their content yeah. they've been very influential to me I think the most influential person to me mm-hmm. is is whomever convinced me, because it wasn't myself, whomever was the person to convince me to start meeting people and start learning, mm. whomever that was, be it my, my high school social
2: studies professor, mm.
1: world history prof- uh, teacher, whether it was him or someone along the way, that was the most, the person who taught me that I can do it, I just have to go out there and read and learn and educate myself. Whomever that was, that
0: One. was the person who, who who made it all possible. It's true. I, I, I love the, the comparison. Say, like, you know, the person who lit your flame. <laughs> That's great. Um. So, yeah, Ryan, I mean, th- thank you so much for your time. Uh, for me, I want to really, first of all, just say thank you just First of all, for taking time out of your busy schedule and running a business to come on here and help my guests out in terms of mindset, in terms of learning how to, you know, how to find your passion find a way to fill that void. Because like we said, real estate might not be a thing, but if it is, I hope you learn so much from this podcast because Ryan is a wealth of knowledge. First, actually, Ryan, could you tell us a little bit more about your podcast? And I love the title. Mobile homes for real life. You know, like, oh, mobile home parks for real life. Could you tell us a little bit more about those and what, what kind of, um? I know you have a new op- new um, episode dropping. Is it Friday, I believe? Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. It'll drop at midnight tonight. Yeah, we'll definitely. Starting with, starting with nothing. Starting yeah, with... Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Sure, I'd definitely, please. I'd love to talk about it. Please. Uh, MHP, MHP IRL, mobile home parks in real life. Mm. And basically, the reason
1: I started it is because I realized that All of the content out there was really hype, and there's some good substance in there, but they brush over really big things like, "Oh hey, yeah, if you want a contractor, just call down the list, and there you have a contractor." And oh my gosh, that's wrong. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it can be so hard to find good help, and I've been burned by I've been burned by people that have good reviews online, are licensed, bonded, and insured. I've been burned by like people that check every single box and the opposite I've, I've had people where i've taken a risk on and they've crushed it for me so i i talk about a whole bunch of stuff but ultimately mm-hmm. if i was to summarize what i do on my podcast
2: mm-hmm. i'm going to teach you it, that it is
1: really 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 hard but you can do it mm-hmm. and i hope you walk away with two things a little bit of fear, <laughs> but a lot of bit of, uh, of excitement because oh, you can do it,
3: it and and
1: I want to discourage slumlords too. That's another big part of what I do because what I found is in mobile home parks in general, when the the, the kind of hype is oh yeah, it's a passive investment, you can buy it and it's it's really you, you set it and forget it. Well, that what that's going to do is that's going to attract a lot of. People who are just going to ultimately be slum lords, and, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's fair to the residents. Mm-hmm. And I also don't think that's fair to people who are genuinely speaking good people that are looking for a path of investment. So, mm. so that's that's what I do. I, I'm easy to find, y'all. Uh, Ryan Narus. My last name is spelled N like Nancy. A R U S. So N A R U S. If you Google me, that's the first thing to come up. Mobile home parks in real life. It's there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I uh, another. Really big thing I want to leave your
2: audience with, by the way. Yes. Is if I had a great question asked to me recently, which was if you were starting over, what would you do differently?
1: Mm, And my honest answer to that is I would just do more of what I did. That's it. Because I feel like what I did, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes, but you're supposed to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are a few things I could have done to make things go more efficiently. But that's, and I lost money here and there. But that's that money that you lose is is like tuition. It's you're paying for that education. You're you're failing and that's building character, right? Yes. But I could I could distill everything when I started and even when I was and even now still today, I can distill everything down into four buckets. Learning, networking, sacrificing, and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Learning, you want to learn everything you can. Listen to every podcast you can. Buy audio books, read actual books, read the blogs, watch the videos, absorb all content that you can, network. People, I'll give you a good quick example. Sure. I got a guy, I got a guy right now I can call up and he can get about any title passed through the DMZ and the V is awful you go there you sit forever only for them to tell you you didn't get this signed or that was done wrong or this. and they kick you out yep. and it's all over again it would be so much easier to give this guy 25 bucks and he goes and does it for you cuz he has a relationship there and he knows how to circumvent the bureaucracy
3: see.
1: it's like that but for deals some of my best some of my best friends in the industry they i have made them a bunch of money and they've made me money too and we skip a bunch of rigmarole because we know different different things and how to do different things. And we share ideas. Iron sharpens iron mm. network. If you meet 100 people and you give your time to 100 people and only one of them helps you in return – that one person may make everything else worth it. And then the last two, I already talked about mindfulness and why Mm -hmm. that's important to know yourself and to know the holes in your soul, so to speak, but also sacrificing. Mm. Y'all, I have made some huge sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Huge sacrifices. For 14 months, every other week, I lived in a mobile home on a blow-up mattress miles away from my wife and my friends with nothing to do but work. I, that was a big ask. Cutting, cutting my salary less than in half to chase a dream. Signing up recourse debt. Mm. There's so many sacrifices that I've made to get to where I am today. That I, you have to be. I mean, obviously, you got to be smart when you make a sacrifice, but. You cannot move forward unless you take risks and you make sacrifices, and you just got to be mentally prepared to make those sacrifices. So those mm. are those are my four. Wow. Learning, networking, sacrificing, and being mindful.
0: Wow. Learning, networking, mindfulness, and sacrifice. I mean, if you guys don't learn something from Ryan, I mean, those are things you should learn right there. That's important. I mean, each one of them, I think, holds a certain amount of power, too, because it helps you in... So many ways. I mean, if you don't know the knowledge, you're never going to go after it. If you don't have the sacrifice, you're not going to do it, even if you know the knowledge. You know, if you don't have the mindfulness, you don't even know what you're going to go after. And I mean, this is just obviously, and you have to network. I mean, there's a great saying too, Ryan, Every everything that you want, someone else has it. Whether it be money, whether it be a project, whether it's a house, a mobile home park, apartment building, furniture, somebody else has it. So you have to network. I mean, great stuff, Ryan. I appreciate that. And Good. how can uh, how can guys reach out to you? How can, if one of people want to reach out to you and maybe I don't know if you want to <laughs> give all your email or your number, but how can people reach out to you if they wanted to, you know, get in touch with you and maybe talk a little bit further, maybe just contact and network with you? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I can't thank you enough. I- Thoroughly enjoyed this. You <laughs> kick butt, by the way. If you haven't looked him up, um, look him up because uh, he's done some great things too. Uh, I am flattered at all the nice
1: things that you're saying, but it's both ways, man. You really <laughs> you really got it going on. Um uh, but to find me, seriously, just Google me. Okay. Uh, N-A-R-U-S and like Nancy, Ryan Narus R-Y-A-N. Find me on LinkedIn, Perfect. find my website, ArchimedesGRP.com. You can email me directly through there. Uh, most of my contact information is on LinkedIn, and there find yes. me. Yes. Seriously, I am here to help. I, I don't I'm I'm in my car all the time, and I'm an outgoing person. I love to talk. Sure. I would love to get to know you, even if you do not provide me anything. I don't care. I still would love to see if I
0: can help you. I just I'm a giver, man. I, I love helping people out. Same here, Ryan. Same here. That's why I asked you to come on my be a guest on my on my podcast because I knew. We we had similar vibes, similar energies, and, I mean, I, I plan on really, to be honest, guys, uh, my audience, I plan on probably doing some business with this guy because this guy is a smart, smart man. He's, he has the psychology major. He has, you know, business, and he knows a lot of things. He knows a lot of people. He has great contacts. I mean, Ryan is a great gentleman. Thank you for coming on the podcast, and I'm going to put all your information in the in the show notes about your website, about your LinkedIn, so they can get in contact with you. And, um, guys, thank you guys for joining me again for another episode of Investing Your Future. You can reach out to us at info at com or find us on any YouTube, social media, anywhere you find us. Ask us a question. We appreciate it. And the guys coming from Brazil and India, thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys. And um, thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. And until next time, guys, have a good one. Thank you again.